12. Last week we did um, the end of chapter 11 and got in the first part of chapter 12. And I told you we're going to come back and re-hit this part of chapter 12 because we're going to teach on it from two different perspectives. The first perspective was introducing us to who Abraham was and the importance of Abraham himself and the role in ministry that God had planned for him. But then we also were going to come back and do uh, the role here with Israel, which I think is very, very important. Now, I can't remember. Dustin, did I put a slide up there of the map? Uh, I didn't see one. You didn't see it? Okay. Um, what we're going to do here is reread verses 1 through um, 6, excuse me, 1 through 9, which is going to reintroduce us to Abraham, but then we're going to focus on the ministry of Israel and how important that is. So, verse 1 of Genesis 12 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were there in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called out in the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now, a couple of things here real quick. I'm going to use the words Abram and Abraham interchangeably. You know, the one means father and the one means father of many. God's going to change Abram's name to Abraham here in a little bit. I'm just going to use them interchangeably now for kind of wondering. What we see here happening is Abraham kind of moving from where he was to the promised land where he's supposed to be. And that's why all these locations are here. You may look at this and you may start saying, well, who cares about Haran or Canaan or Bethel or Ai? If you knew the area, you knew exactly what he was talking about. If I would say, hey, I headed down south from Toledo, passed through Grand Rapids, and headed over to Napoleon to Defiance, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. By looking at these locations, somebody back during this time would say, okay, that's why Israel's where it's at now. This is the importance of this. Now, this idea of the land is going to get really important here in a few chapters. Genesis 15. But for right now, it's just important to know in verse 7, God says, Abram, I'm giving you this land. We'll get to in a few chapters the importance of the land and the actual boundaries of it. But God is bestowing this land in this area on Abram. What you see here in Genesis 12 is the beginning of God's great plan for Israel. And this is so important. It's important to know who Abraham was, but it's also important to know what he represents. He represents Israel, the Jews. Now this verse that we have up here, Genesis 12 verse 3, is such a vital, important verse. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I cannot stress to you enough the importance of this verse. If you want to be blessed in the Lord, you have to understand the role that Israel plays in that. As a nation, we're finding ourselves slowly moving away from the importance of Israel. Part of the reason I firmly believe why the United States has been so blessed is we've been such a strong proponent of Israel since they became a nation in 1948. One of the danger signs you see is if we start moving away from that support of Israel. Think of the nations in the past... And going back, when I say past, I mean even 3,000 years ago, that picked on Israel. 
Assyria picked on Israel. Assyria is really not around anymore. Babylon picked on Israel. They're not around. Rome picked on Israel. They're not around. And you can kind of even go on and on throughout when someone picked on Israel. And when we've done deeper studies onto this, where we've gotten into the history of the different wars that have happened, the Yom Kippur War, etc., where Israel, against these unbelievable odds, survived. And not only survived, won. You don't want to be against Israel. I can't, I can't stress that enough. So when I see this verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. This is important. This is very, very important. Dustin, can you go to the next slide? Now, what I like to do is just throughout articles that I read, I find little quotes that deal with Israel and I've collected them over the years. This is a quote from Yasser Arafat. A lot of you may know him. as used to be the head of the PLO. And look what he said. We plan to eliminate the state of Israel, establish a purely Palestinian state. We will make life unbearable for Jews by psychological warfare and population explosion. We Palestinians will take over everything, including all of Jerusalem. Now, I told myself as I was doing this message, do not get on my soapbox, because I really want to. If you really look at the map of Israel, and you look how Israel is completely and utterly surrounded by nations that have not just said we don't like you, have vowed to destroy them. I mean, it's in the constitution of Hamas that they want to completely obliterate Israel. It's just unbelievable. And it just gets me going sometimes how when I see the world respond... When Israel responds to being picked on. And as Israel is getting attacked and they respond, all of a sudden Israel becomes the bad guy. I'm telling you right now as a nation, if our friends to the north Canada started shooting mortars and rockets at us, we wouldn't just sit there and let it go. But yet Israel is exposed to let it go. No, it doesn't work that way. Go to the next quote if you don't mind. This one right here, Ahmadinejad, that used to be the president of Iran... The Zionist regime is a dried up and rotten tree which will be annihilated with one storm. Now, as Yosemite Sam used to say, them are fighting words. But yet Israel is supposed to let that stuff go. Now, I could go on and on about it, and I'm going to try not to, but I'm going to. They could go on and on. And what happens is now even the new president of Iran, uh, uh, Rouhani, you know, he is a little bit more of a moderate, but... He has called Israel a usurper. He has called Israel a problem nation. Boy, this is a big deal. Because when God says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you, you have to make a decision. Am I on the side of Israel or am I not on the side of Israel? There's not a middle ground on this. We as a nation, for the last 60 years, have been on the side of Israel. I think it's part of the reason why we've been blessed. I really do firmly believe that. And it always makes me nervous when I see the nation, the United States, want to slowly start pulling support from that. Go to the next slide here real quick. Just to make this point clear, I just started, just in Genesis, the repetition of this phrase. Genesis 18, 18, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, referring to Abraham. Genesis 22, 18, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. 26, 4, and your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. 28, 14, and you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I think there's a theme here that God is trying to say. As you've heard me say out here before, if God says it once, it's important. If he says it twice, pay attention. If he starts saying it three times... You really better start marking and underlining and figuring out what he's trying to say. This is just in Genesis, where he's trying to tell us, we will be blessed. Why are we blessed? Obviously we're blessed because Jesus came from this lineage. Jesus is Jewish. So right there is the ultimate blessing of salvation. But even more so, it's the blessing of knowing that you're on the side of God. 
And that is such a key component here because God is making this abundantly clear. We will be blessed when we're on those things that God deems important. And this is the key point right here is verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. It's important to understand the blessing that we have and being a part of this and choosing what we choose to do as individuals and also as a nation. Now, I could go into more detail. We only threw up a quote there by Arafat and Abdinejad. We could go on and on and on about other political leaders and what they have said, what they have promised, and what they want to do. That's not necessarily the point and purpose of tonight. There are numerous nations and individuals that want to see Israel utterly destroyed, but yet God still keeps blessing and protecting it. I'll tell you right now, very simply put, this may not be eloquent, but you just don't want to mess with Israel. You don't want to do that. So before we move on with the rest of this, anybody have any quick questions, comments about this part? We have to understand this thing. God says, I will bless those who bless you. That's important, and that still is around for us today, thousands of years later. Any quick questions, comments about this before we move on? All right, let's go to the flip side. Dustin, can you go to the next passage here? If we have to talk about the blessing side, we also have to talk about the cursing side. God made this clear. Look in Genesis 27. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And then in Numbers 24, and cursed is he who curses you. Now, Numbers 24 is really interesting. Numbers 24 is the story of Balaam. If you remember the story of Balaam, there was this foreign nation that wanted to see Israel cursed. So Balaam was a prophet for hire. So basically, this king went to Balaam and said, Listen, can I hire you to pronounce a curse on Israel? And every time Balaam opened his mouth to curse Israel, he ended up blessing Israel. So it's kind of fascinating. Here's this guy that wants to curse Israel, but yet the only thing he can say is whoever is cursed who curses them. See, that's the thing that we just don't seem to get, is this idea of God's hand is on this nation. This tiny little nation. We had a guy, I think it was, was it last year? Oh, sorry, two years ago now. We have an individual come out and kind of share. And he was a Messianic Jew that you know lived over in Israel, served in the Israeli Defense Force. And he had some great points there about how small Israel is. You know, we're used to the United States. Everything is big in the United States. How small Israel is. And how this nation is just completely surrounded by people that want to destroy it. And I remember talking to him. Before it happened, because one of the rules over in Israel is you're required to serve in in, an Israeli Defense Force. And I asked him, I said, how is that on your shoulders? I mean, what type of burden is that as you grew up as a kid knowing you have mandatory military service and you have mandatory military service knowing you're probably going to see action in mandatory military service? He says you grow up just knowing everybody wants to kill you. You just grow up knowing everybody wants to attack you and it's just so ingrained into you that you will serve and you will do whatever it takes to protect this nation no matter what. Because we just don't get that. We don't get this understanding. We don't sit here tonight saying, boy, I hope Canada's not going to invade. They're not going to. We're not worried about Mexico coming up from the south. We're not. But over in Israel, there's this ongoing thing. And we know how biblical prophecy goes. We know what's eventually going to happen in the battle of Gog and Magog. What's going to happen is there's going to be a force come up from the south. And there's going to be Russia coming down from the north. If you study the south, this is in Daniel chapter 12. It's also in the book of Revelation. So what happens is you have this group of Muslim coalition nations that are going to come up from the south. Russia is going to come in from the north. And what happens is Israel is going to get hit with a two-pronged attack. And they should be completely and utterly destroyed. It should happen. 
God miraculously steps in and uses fire from heaven to destroy the Russian invading from the north. God's going to watch out for Israel. It always fascinates me when I run into somebody who is concerned about Israel. Probably the safest nation to be in is probably Israel. That, that nation's not going to fall. God's hand is on that nation. So I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. Once again, go back and look. Look at Assyria, Babylon, Rome. Even go back and look at some of those Muslim coalition nations during the different wars here over the last 50 years, Egypt, etc. Those nations are not under the nations of blessing. I heard a teaching one time where they said, even go one step further. And I don't know about this because I haven't studied this out enough. They said, even look at England. You know, England gave the land up, if you will, for Israel to become a nation. And they talked about how England basically gave the land up and said, okay, now we're done with you. And they talked about how it's amazing how England, just roughly 70 years ago, was still a world power. And how much England has fallen here. But you look at the United States over those same last 70 years, how much it's risen. Is it because the United States has always been there to protect Israel? I don't know. But the Bible makes it clear. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's so vital to know that we are blessed by being a partner with Israel, but also we're going to be blessed too because obviously the Messiah comes from that line as well. It's important to see this and to get this. So does anybody have any questions about the blessing or cursing side of this before we move on here? All righty. Yeah, Miles. It's interesting you bring that up. I like to go to, um, it's called the Jerusalem Post. I like to go to Jerusalem Post and read uh, articles there because you get a different, different slant than what you do. And uh, Rouhani here, once again, the president of Iran now made a comment how he feels the United States and Iran, and he used the term, could possibly become friends. And I, I find that fascinating, that all of a sudden that would be friends. And what was interesting then, as he talked about Iran and the United States becoming friends, the article was in Israel's perspective. And Israel basically said, how can the United States be friends with Iran when Iran says we want to utterly destroy you? And so I think Israel, and this is what I get from reading the Jerusalem Post and other things, Israel always has one eye open. And I think Israel realizes what they've been through. And I can't remember which prime minister of Israel it was, but he says basically it goes, the generation that lived through the Holocaust will always remember what the world could do to us. And Israel's never going to let its guard down. So, I, yes, I think it's fascinating that Iran and the United States, and obviously we're not friends, but yet you see a falling, I guess, of relations there. I think that is an interesting concern because Iran has made it abundantly clear to the point of basically denying the Holocaust, basically saying we want to annihilate. I mean, think about this. Iran says we want to completely annihilate Israel, but yet we want to build a nuclear reactor for energy and peace. It just... I mean, it's like your neighbor saying, the first opportunity I have, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to keep the shotgun to shoot rabbits. No. What's that? No, no. It's, they don't. And, And I guess, you know, that's the thing with Israel. As soon as Israel became a nation in 48, they were attacked. I mean, as soon as. And then you see it in the different wars that happened since then. And even in the last 10 years, you see these little flare-ups that pop up. This nation is constantly on guard. And so, and these nations, once again, I can't stress to you enough, that are bordering Israel, when they come right out and say, we want to see you obliterated. 
So, yes, you know, I think it comes down to the Lord's hand is obviously upon this nation, and we need to remember the simplicity of God blesses those who bless Israel. We've got to remember that. Yeah, Rose. Before we talk about God and Israel, it puts your mind about parent and child. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's a very valid point. It's it's the Lord's allowed to step in and do whatever He wants. Because some of you may be quick to say, "Okay, you mentioned Assyria and Babylon, and even Rome. God allowed that discipline to happen. He did." And. God even said, I'm going to discipline Assyria for being bad still, but I'm going to use them as a stepping stool. Um, The Lord makes it very clear, Israel, I love you enough to discipline you. I love you enough to discipline you. And that's the thing is, eventually it's going to come a time where I think it's a great analogy there of the parent and the child, especially when this battle of Gog and Magog happens. And when when Russia comes down from the north and Muslim nations come up from the south, where God supernaturally steps in, and the Antichrist then rises to power. The Bible makes it clear if Israel will eventually get it. Their eyes will be open and they'll have a true understanding of who Jesus is. And we've said out here many times, if you go read Romans, and you go read in Romans where Paul talks about the role of Israel and us, basically Paul is saying this, if you feel you're blessed now by knowing Jesus, he goes, you just wait till Israel knows Jesus, and that's when you'll really be blessed. Because no matter how much Jesus loves us and died for us on the cross, Israel's his favorite. Israel is his favorite. And so if he loves us this much now, just imagine when his favorite gets into the family. Boy, oh boy. Got to understand the role of Israel to the point of we have to make sure this is important. Because if, you, if we don't get this point here of God wanting to bless Israel, what's the point of the rest of Genesis? What's the point of the rest of the Bible? Because you start reading in Genesis and you see all these horrible things that the descendants of Abraham are doing. Why is God sticking with them? When you go to Exodus, Leviticus, the Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you realize, wait a second, God has a plan for this nation. So if God deems this nation important, I should deem this nation important. Your ears, I hope, pop up when you hear the name Israel on the news because whatever is happening in Jerusalem is a big, big deal to the rest of the world. Anybody else have anything here about the whole blessing cursing? Yeah, surely. Yeah, I believe it is. Um, I believe Armageddon is at the end of the tribulation period where the Antichrist is combining his forces, where Gog and Magog, my personal opinion, I believe Gog and Magog happens in the first part of the tribulation, which builds up to the middle part of the tribulation called the abomination of desolation. That's the way I take it. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Alrighty, so we understand this whole idea of blessing and cursing. We have to see that. Look here how God wants to get involved in Abram's life. If you see this in verse 6, Shechem and Morah and the Canaanites. But look at verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. Verse 7 is important. Verse 7, we see the Lord saying, This is their land. A lot of times when you look in the news today, you see about this two-state solution and all this other type of junk that's popping up. God makes it abundantly clear, abundantly clear, that its land belongs to Israel. 
And we have to see the importance of that because way back in Genesis 12, God says, this is your land. But even more important than the land thing, look at the response in verse 7. Abram builds an altar to the Lord that appeared to him. This is Abraham's spiritual response to this. As Abram says in obedience that you want to be the God of me and my descendants, and you've got to remember at this time, Abraham is 75 years old with no descendants. This is a faith thing. That's the interesting thing about Abram's name. When Abram becomes Abraham, which means father of many, how many kids does he have when he's the father of many? None. We joke about this a lot, and we'll get to this in a couple chapters, that back during this time, if you'd go meet Abraham, and you'd run into Abraham, and you'd hear Abraham, oh, father of many, one of the first questions you would ask, father of many, how many kids do you have? Zero. This is a faith thing. So this is a faith thing to realize Abram is trusting the Lord with this, because this is an amazing thing. We are never given a real reason why it's Abram. God comes out in the book of Exodus and tells Israel, I did not choose you because you're this mighty, powerful nation. He goes, I chose you because you're actually the lowest of the low of nations, because I wanted to prove to the world that it's me and not anybody else. Paul repeats the same thing in Corinthians about us. He makes it very clear. God chose us, the lowest of the low people, to basically make sure that God got the glory. If you ever looked at yourself in the spiritual mirror of life, we are completely, utterly pathetic. God still loves us. That's an amazing thing. What's there about Abram that's so great? Well, I mean, he does some amazing things. But you know what? Next week, he's going to go to Pharaoh and start lying about his wife. This guy has some issues and has some problems as well, too. It shows God's grace there. So we see the land given to him. Well, actually, let's back up here. These are the points that we need to pull out of this. God called Abram, verse 2. He's promised him this, I will make you a great nation, you will be blessed, your name will be great, that's all true. Israel is a great nation, they are blessed, their name is great, we're talking about it now. They have been a blessing to the world through the line of Christ. We also see the truth of verse 3, those who bless Israel are blessed, those who curse Israel are cursed. We also see the promise given here in verse 7. God has given them that land, they don't have all the land allotted to them yet, but that will come. And also in verse 7, we see Abram's response. That is so important because Abram is a man of faith that does believe this. Now, it takes us to our last point here. Dustin, you want to go to the last slide? Actually, excuse me, i got a couple more slides here I forgot about. I found this verse interesting. I forgot about this one in Esther 6.13. If you remember the story in the book of Esther, how Mordecai... It's a fascinating thing here. Haman is the bad guy. And what Haman wants to do is to make sure that uh, Mordecai is killed. But look at this quote. When Ammon told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. That right there shows God's hand. What his wife is saying there is, if Mordecai is Jewish, you're not going to be able to touch him. God's hand is going to be on him. And we know what happens to Ammon. Ammon eventually gets hung, and Mordecai is the one that's elevated. That, to me, just kind of shows the whole blessing-cursing thing again throughout the whole Bible there. I forgot about that reference. Go to the next one there, Dustin, please. And the bottom got cut off there, but this is out of Psalm 122. This is that continual theme here. This is what our role is. Now we get to the application. What should we do? Look what it says in Psalms. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Look how simple that verse is. We're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and it says right there, 
though it may, they will prosper who love you. Now, when I say I want to prosper, I don't mean that materialistically and I don't mean that egotistically. I want to do what God wants. If God tells me to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I need to do that. How will Jerusalem ever have peace? They will only have peace when Jesus is ruling and reigning. So what you're really saying when you say pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you're really praying for Jesus Christ to return and rule and reign where he's supposed to be. Jerusalem will not have peace until Christ is ruling and reigning over it. We have a God-given commandment here in Psalms to pray for Jerusalem and pray for Israel. Go to the next slide, please. This is what I want to kind of finish with. This is Isaiah 520. We've got to be careful about this. Because too often, when the subject of Israel comes up, it becomes a political issue. And I don't understand how it's political in any way whatsoever. The statements I'm making here tonight are not political. They're just spiritual facts. That's what they are. Look what God says in Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who called evil good and good evil. I'm always concerned when I run into somebody who wants to call supporting Israel bad. That concerns me. Because God says it's a good thing. And it always fascinates me when I run into somebody who claims to be a born-again Christian and they make some comment like, what's the big deal about Israel? Who cares? Oh, boy. Genesis 12, we care. We care because God says it's important. If it's important to God, it's important to us. God says Israel is important. If it's important to God to make sure Israel is prayed for and blessed, then it's important for us to do our role into that. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. As I mentioned before at the beginning of the message, Israel gets such a bad rap. It really does. It's the one that's always the problem. It's the one that's always the instigator and all this other stuff according to the world. No. Be careful when you hear the world talk about how awful and evil Israel is. Why is that a big deal? The Bible makes it clear that this is the enemy's world at this moment. Guess what? If God says how much he loves Israel, what's Satan going to do? He's going to do everything in his power to destroy it. And we've seen that throughout history. Think about this. Back in the book of Exodus, when the Israel, um, Israelis were, were growing, multiplying, what did Pharaoh want to do? Kill them. You see this also with uh, Herod. When Jesus was born, what did Herod want to do? Go kill the babies. You see this in the Holocaust with Germany, trying to go kill them. This is Satan's attempt to eradicate this nation that God cares about. So anytime I see the world start to attack Israel, it just reminds me more and more and more I'm on the right side. If the world hates that nation so much, they're going to hate what God says is good. So i got to be careful. I never want to call evil good and good evil. And it's important to realize the role of Israel and the importance of this. Because this message is important. For the rest of Genesis now, when we keep stopping and saying, why is God putting up with Jacob and Esau and Abram and Isaac? Why does God put up with all these people? Because God says, I will bless them. When we get to the book of Exodus, we, why, why does God put up with these awful people that complain about everything? Because God says, I'm going to bless them. We want to make sure we understand the importance of this. Anybody have any final questions, comments here before we close up? All right. Let's pray. Oh, sorry, Mark. Mm-hmm. It is. It's going on. That, that verse is actually so applicable to this world that we live in today. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's the world we live in today. You open up any newspaper, magazines, you go look on the web, you watch TV. What they consider good behavior 
is morally bankrupt in the eyes of God. This verse is, is such a true verse of the society we live in today. Anybody else have anything here before we close up? Surely. Yeah. It is. And, and that's where it comes back to all the families in the earth will be blessed. Jesus is Jewish and was sent to the Jews. We only get Jesus because the Jews rejected him. Like I said, Paul says in Romans 9, 10, and 11, we're the crazy branch that's grafted into salvation. We've got to understand the role of Israel. Got to understand it. Anybody else have anything here? All right, well, let's do exactly what the Bible says. Let's pray for Israel. Lord, as we come to you now, thank you for just showing us and giving us understanding of the importance of your nation, your people. And Lord, thank you for the small role we get to play in just praying for them and being a part of this. And thank you for the salvation you gave us. We do exactly what your word and psalm says. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray as an individual. We pray as a church, and we pray also as a nation that we would always see the importance of Israel, Lord. And we pray for them in all ways. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week, and God bless, and we'll catch you next week.